Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly Shonen Jump manga podcast where we read all the chapters available on viz.com's Shonen Jump app, page, whatever it is, as well as something else. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. This week we are reading volume one of One Punch Man, which I know is one of Kevin's favorites. Yes, very good. But before that, we have a pretty large selection issue of Shonen Jump. I still think of them as issues, even though we don't get them bound in nice digital paper anymore. Yeah. But it's a pretty long one, and I thought a pretty good one. Pretty consistent quality throughout all the chapters, I thought. Yeah. So shall we begin? Let's do it. The first story, as we alluded to two weeks ago, is Samurai 8, The Tale of Hachimaru, Chapter 1, The First Key, written by the creator of Naruto. So what did you think of the first proper chapter of Samurai 8, Kevin? I thought it was a pretty interesting premise. So the kind of like techno religion thing going on seemed kind of interesting. The character seemed kind of cool. Like he's essentially the person with the soul of a warrior, but stuck in an imperfect body. Like that's not, it's not like that's totally novel, but I haven't seen it done quite that way. At least I haven't seen it done quite that way. I honestly was a little disappointed by the chapter. There were definitely things I really liked about it. The first couple of pages that really set up the sci-fi aspect of it are in color. And I thought that looked really, really good. But I also knew the entire time that it could not be a color comic because that's not how Shonen Jump works. Yeah. So the entire time I was kind of bracing myself for black and white. And I don't think the art is bad in this. There are a lot of it works really well. But it kind of reminds me of Boruto and that it's a very safe, very choreographed art. Yeah. But at the same time, when you get right down to the fight scenes, there were lots of things where I'm like, I'm not really sure what's happening. Like, it looks like this guy shot this guy, but I can't really tell. Like, the big dramatic climax bit, I like the like way the main character wins, but it had to be written and explained. The art doesn't really do a good job of depicting it, I don't think. I think I I got a pretty good job. Like, I knew what the cat guy was going to say before he said it as I was reading it. Like, I knew, because, I mean, there were the context clues, but, like, of, oh, of course, he's going to pull that move. But I I got that out of the art direction in the fight, that what he was doing is what he was doing. That was the sentence. So the premise is, like we said, it's kind of a sci-fi mashed up with classic Japanese samurai stuff premise where lots of i guess feudal japanese terms are being used to apply to kind of sci-fi concepts for example samurai in this setting are basically cyborgs they have implants so they can regenerate their limbs and well what i was getting from it was there's also a lot of more like religion aspect in that the bushi like everyone is at some level cyber organic and the samurai are like avenging angels, like they're blessed by the god Fumio Mu or it's, something like that. It can be any god. That's specifically the one that blessed the okay but, uh, main character. But yeah, there is definitely a religion aspect too. Yeah, and it's like the samurai are completely different from the bushi, because like even Hachimaru, he's like hooked up to a bunch of cables. I mean, that's to keep him alive. But it kind of seems like there's a bit of cybernetics involved with everybody it's just the samurai take it to a completely different level i mean that definitely has that feel to it it seems like cyborgs are not necessarily novel in this setting yeah 
but there's specifically talked about the difference between a samurai and a bushi is like is cybernetics. Yeah. And so I didn't necessarily feel like all bushi were cybernetic or everybody was cybernetic. Like Hachimaru's dad doesn't really show any signs of I guess. that. Not, which isn't to say he isn't. Most of the cyborgs look completely normal. Yeah. I am interested in seeing where the series goes. But like I said, a lot of the art just did not do a lot for me. I didn't get excited by the fight scenes in it. And like I said, the color pages were really, really cool. The sci-fi stuff was really, really cool. But once we got into the black and white, I started kind of enjoying it less. And it, I just can't help but compare it to the first chapter of Naruto, which I think does a better job with its character. Like, they're both very similar in premise in that they're both kids with kind of social problems. Hachimaru's is a lot more physical because he's basically a cripple. Yes. That, But I feel like the reveal about why Naruto has the problems he does works a lot better is... Like, just a single story, just looking at chapter one of each of them. Gotcha. And I don't know that I feel like this does a great job of setting the premise or the world that well. And to be fair, I think it's a bigger world than Naruto started with. And that's part of why they're struggling with that. I at least got a good idea of the premise and, like, what the overall goal is. Yeah, they gotta find the seven dragon keys to become the best samurai. To open Pandora's box and save the universe. Yeah, I mean, that's a weird turn on that tale. We're get we we have to open Pandora's box to save the universe. Wait, isn't that bad? That's a very Japanese. These are some words I heard. That's a very Evangelion. Let's throw some Christian in this. Yes. Only it's let's throw some Greek in this. Yes. Anything else you wanted to say about it? Again, also it felt long to me. It is long. It's fifty-two pages. It's a yes. complete story, which I think for a debuting series is fine. But it felt long, and I don't think that's like a compliment towards it. I still really rather enjoyed it. One of the, the things that I really liked is the whole thing of even though the samurai's body is like mainly comprised of cybernetics, the really important thing is like the samurai's soul. I don't think they actually they might actually call it that, but it's like his warrior spirit, which can manifest itself as his katana. Yeah, and that's a super shonen idea, and I do like it, but. It didn't seem that novel to me. It didn't seem like it had a real new spin on it. No, I just thought it was neat. So, like, I like the sci-fi setting and then having this, the spiritual aspect mixed into it was kind of cool. Yeah, that blend I really like. I do like the setting. I just don't particularly care for the characters of the action. So. Gotcha. If they can win me over as we go on, if we introduce some new characters and I really like them then this series could definitely hook me. But I don't like it nearly as much as I did when we started Chainsaw Man or Hell Warden. Those ones hooked me a lot better. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to something that isn't new at all. One Piece chapter 942. Daimyo of Hakumai, Shimotsuki Yasui. I think I did it. Sure. Kevin cut it so they don't know how many takes that took. I, you were talking last night about how you really like this chapter. So do you want to start with this? Yeah. So we have... Ebisu was the town. Yes. Yasui is his name. Yasui is up on the like cross and he decides to give a speech to kind of help protect the rebellion and go about like it ends up kind of getting a lot of the people of Wano realizing that the shogun is like this slippery eel 
Like, he's well, not worthy of being followed. In particular, we see a lot of his guards who are, like, low on the totem pole being, like, who are, like, just punch clock guards, basically. Yeah. Being like, well, this is the problem with the current emperor. Like, yeah, like, he, he, he doesn't have a backbone. That's why we've had all these problems. Like, this guy is speaking a lot of truth. Even though he is one of these problems. If the emperor had been stronger, he wouldn't be. Yeah. He also says he lied about being the Robin Hood figure last week. And I can't figure out what his motive is on that. Because if he's saying he lied about it, that probably means he really was. And he's hoping someone takes it up after him. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Because if he really wasn't, then he should like die to protect that person. That seems in line with his goals. Yeah. But he also lies and be like, hey, yeah, I made up this symbol of rebellion. Yeah, it was just a joke. Uh, to try and get the uh, sort of pressure off the rebellion. I don't know that that's actually going to really work, especially with how paranoid we know Orochi is. But at the same time, it's probably is going to work on like the punch clock guards and they're going to be demoralized. Yeah, we definitely do see one of the guards being like, what? He was just making a joke. Do you know how many people I arrested this last month? Yeah, so it's definitely going to have an effect. I don't know. I did like the chapter. I do really like the speech. The art is really good. It's a lot darker than One Piece usually is. And as he's up on basically a cross. Yeah. We also had a flashback to Yasui talking with Lord Odin and how they were like, because they were both lords. Yasui was kind of like prodding Lord Odin to be like, no, listen, you need to be stronger. Stop being the guy who sits on the sideline. Yeah, he was trying to spur him to kind of take over the country, whereas Odin's like, no, nah, I just want to go leave and be, go on sweet pirate adventures. I mean, listen, it, sweet pirate adventures are sweet, but, and that was Yasui's point, well, it wasn't sweet pirate adventures are sweet, but that you need to stay and save the country, like we're floundering here. So Yasui is executed, and we see all the people of Ibisu kind of laughing with tears in their eyes, and Zoro gets pissed off about yes. it but then the orient is like no like that's all they can do because of some sort of uh, side effect of the smile smiles, fruit which are the artificial devil fruit that don quixote was importing yes which i thought that was a really cool reveal like i thought they were always called smile fruit because joker was the one ordering them or making them in the code name yeah yeah me too i mean it does seem like kind of literalizing something I don't really treat it as a reveal. I think we'll need to find out more information about the exact effects they're having. We will. I guess it's not a reveal on the fruit itself, but it just kind of, it was an interesting uh, question to pose at the end. Yeah, it's a cliffhanger. We're supposed to ask what, and then come back for next week. I did like the chapter. I thought the emotional bits were pretty good. And like I said, the art was a lot different than normal while still being pretty good. Yeah. So that brings us to My Hero Academia number 227, Sleepy. How did you feel about this? Because I thought it was kind of a weak chapter for My Hero Academia this week. A, a bit. I thought it still had some cool stuff. So we have Toga. Toga. I kept wanting to say Tomura. I'm like, no, that's not right. Toga is like falling unconscious after beating Curious and apparently killing Curious. Yeah, that's what the report to the leader of the rebellion says. Yeah, so I don't know if Curious actually died or because at one point they have a dude using his like evangelical. I'm assuming he has like an evangelical quirk or something along that line. 
to be like, oh no, Kyrus has died. We must fight even harder now. And so it like spurs everybody into action. So I don't know if he was doing that on purpose or like that's literally what happened. I took it as more he's just their Captain America figure that's rallying the troops. Yeah. Rather than that being part of his quirk. But since they are a group all about using your quirks for whatever you want, I guess that would make sense. That was just the feeling I got out of it. Again, it, it might have just been, like you said, he might have just been the Captain America figure, and that's not related to his quirk at all. But at the very least, it has the desired effect of getting everybody really pumped up yeah. to avenge Curious. Meanwhile, it's going to be an hour and 20 minutes before Gigantimachia can wake up. So yes. the League of Villains has to survive at least that long with one member effectively down, although she does seem to have found a safe place to take a nap. Yes. And then Tomura starts getting some flashbacks to his very young youth, although it's not really clear if they're actually flashbacks or if like someone else is trying to show him these things, because there's a young girl in them we've never seen before, and he doesn't know who she is, but he's not sure if he can't remember or what's going on there. I assumed it was like his sister or something because so, he wears his family's hands and there's more than four. That's so. true. And that does make the most sense. She's just drawn in a way that really makes her stand out to me. She looks a lot like the one for all successor. Yeah. Kind of, like very similar to that. So that's why I figured they were related. Like Tomura doesn't look like her at all. So I'm assuming he takes after like the other side of the family. And Tomura starts being able to disintegrate people without touching them. It kind of looks like it's chain disintegration to me, like he's disintegrating people who are touching yes, the people that, he's disintegrating. But. Yeah, because there was literally this like giant World War Z zombie <laughs> mass of people? heroes coming after him, and he just like disintegrated the whole thing, which was a cool shot, like him like sweeping through the disintegrating clouds of people. It is well drawn. And then an ice dude shows up, and Dobby's like, I'm a fire dude. I guess I should fight you. That's how shonen anime works, right? Well, first off, Dobby's like, oh, I see. He's getting serious. I should get serious as well. And he starts to do something, and the ice dude shows up, and he's like, oh, of course you would show up. So that's where the chapter ends. Like I said, I thought it was kind of weak. This whole story is not my favorite My Hero Academia arc, although there are parts I like about it. And this is another kind of transitory chapter, so... Yeah, I still, I thought it was interesting. Like I said, I had that question of like, oh, is this guy, one guy's quirk, these weird evangelical powers, did Toga actually kill Curious or did she just injure her really badly and they're deciding to tell her that she's dead or did they kill her off to spur the rest of the people on? Like, that's the kind of villains we are. We'll kill any one of our people if it's necessary to getting our cause done. Yeah, I definitely read it as Toga killed her because we see the like higher ups talking about it. He's like, yeah, it's too bad that she died. Like we could have used her, but that's how it goes. Yeah. So I, I, again, it just it made me ask the question. And then I did really like the shot of Tomura disintegrating the clump of people coming after him. Which brings us to something I actually did really like, which is Food Wars Chapter 310, A Gourmet Clash. What did you think about this one, Kevin? I thought this was pretty good. I definitely love the reveal of Soma being like, and my dish is fried rice. And I like the reaction is proper too. Like, yes, the the judges are like, I don't want to eat any. I just want to, I don't know, take a nap after that. That was really good. And the 
chick from the convenience store earlier. He's like, no, you said you'd be impartial. You have to have some. Yes. Has to force it down their throat. And all of Soba's like classmates are like, huh, I wonder what weird thing he did. And Joichiro just smiles. Yes. Yeah, it was just, <laughs> it was very good. I liked the reveal of like what he did with the dish. And it also, it kind of reminded me of the first time he made the Dawn Bowl. Yeah. When one of the judges is like, I don't want to eat it. Huh, fine. And she takes a bite. And then she just starts chowing down on it again. Yeah. And I do like the reaction of everybody after they see that exact moment repeated. Yes. And he just made really good fried rice with different, like, it's more like a rice pilaf, which is a Turkish dish. And yep. the, the pork is done in a Chinese style that's in there. And it was fried in a specific way to... Yeah, it was. there was like a French stock added to it or something like that. I don't remember exactly what all the elements no. of the dishes were. Nor did I write it down because it's not important. It's no. just important that it is on theme and accurate. Yeah, and he did it in a different way. I definitely love this shot. Oh, yeah, there's an amazing metaphor shot. Yeah, yes. where they're like, oh, I... I can't remember his Saiba. name. It's like Saiba's the hero of a Dragon Quest game, and he's gone or all the towns, and he's gathered all the different cooking styles as allies. But meanwhile, Soma is just like the evil overlord from a dark realm, forcing all of the ingredients and cooking styles to work the way he wants them to. And there's a callback to all the girls who turned into Dragon Quest, like sexy Dragon Quest monsters when yes. they ate Saiba's dish like as his little minions. Yeah, and it was just, it was very good. I, I really liked the, because they, like they, like you said, Saiba was all about the, oh yeah, so he gathered all of the ingredients and managed to merge them together, where Soma kind of like threw everything together and like forced it into the right shape. Yeah. It's just it, very good. And then like the back half of the chapter is, I, I like it. It is a little weaker though. We cut to uh, Hayorama, is that his name? Spice Guy. Yes. Uh, no. Hagiyama? Hagiyama? I think that's it. Uh, he's with June, and June's like, hey, why didn't you go to the blue? And he's like, well, I was thinking about it. I realized, really, I'm just Tien, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> so I thought I would sit it out and let Goku go do the cooking. <laughs> yes. Then we find out some of the other characters also got invited. Mashima, the coffee guy, also decided to sit it out. Yep. And there are some flashbacks to before all the third years graduated how soma was just constantly challenging them to shokugeki to well yeah well and it's like improve. he's trying to do a shokugeki with hagiyama and hagiyama's like well i booked through the week and he's like what oh come on and hagiyama's like well you're the one monopolizing all the damn third years yeah and the cliffhanger at the end is like soma's like hey uh Aaron is mom you want to have this and she's like nah like everybody else i it doesn't look that special to me and he's like, oh, come on. It reminds me of my mom. Yep. It's got to be good. Your dumb daughter won't eat anything I make either. Yes. <laughs> she loves everything he that she is forced to eat from him, but refuses to eat anything because she's like, no, there's no way I could love this. He made it. What the hell? Uh, yeah. So I really liked Food Wars this week. Yeah, it was good. Which brings me back to something I didn't like so much this week. It's just Chainsaw Man Chapter 21, Taste of a Kiss. What did you think of this week's Chainsaw Man, Kevin? Yeah, that was, uh, that was a chapter, all right. Yeah. Look, I don't want Chainsaw Man to be canceled. Certainly, I like it more than Neolation. But if we had to lose one series this week, it, I would have probably picked Chainsaw Man. Yeah, that was weird. I liked the beginning of it. Like, it just continues to be them drinking and kind of partying after the 
victory earlier. Yeah. And like Makima is kind of saying some stuff and Aki and Himeno are like, hey, you know something about Denji you're not telling us. She's like, hey, if you can out drink me, I'll tell you. And then proceeds to drink them all under the table. Yeah, and I really liked that bit. Yeah. But then, like, Himeno goes to kiss Denji and barfs all in his mouth, and it's drawn very, like, graphically. Yes. And, I I mean, the joke doesn't work for me at all. And then, not only does she barf into his mouth, he then, Power, exclaims, oh no, Denji will eat anything edible that is put into his mouth. So he then proceeds to eat it. Yeah, like, and, unconsciously. It's like, ah. Oh. And then there are some weird flashbacks to him with Poochie being like, oh, yeah, I'd never eat barf. Like, yeah, I'm not a rat. It's just very weird. Yes. And then Jimeno ends up bringing Denji home. Accidentally and against accidentally, Denji's will? Accidentally and on purpose at the same time. Like, she's, like, sort of aware of it and not aware of it. Well, at she's the same super drunk, so yeah. I understand what they're going for. Yes. The weird thing is Denji does not seem super drunk, and it seems like he just got, like, thrown into hammer space and then landed there. Yes. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It just really didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Oh, and then she, oh, yeah, she, it, and she pulls the, the uh, ghost in the shell thing with the major proposition there's that one episode or movie where the major propositions that young kid yeah I, that that was the feel i got off of it uh, like I, that exact same situation of the older mature woman cougaring the guy yeah i mean like i said this has always been very base and the humor has been working on me less and less but this one just really did nothing for me yeah which brings us to something a little better, Demon Slayer Chapter 157, Returning Spirit, which I don't have a lot of notes written down because not much happened, but I at least liked what was going on. Yeah, so we have the final resolution of the fight with the Upper Moon 3 of Tanjiro and Gin collapse because they're exhausted. Yes. Uh, And then we cut over to the fight that was going on kind of before that one. We cut over to that one. I think there was one between it, too. But uh, yes. the girl fighting the, I don't know what to call him because. Upper uh, Moon 2. Okay, Upper Moon 2. And there's a cool bit where he's like, ah, it seems like it caused a change right before he died, which implies maybe he became human again. Yeah. Like right before his death. Yep. But he's like, well, I'll, I'll never know though. And then the girl who's fighting just like lays into him about how he's just pretending to have emotions. Yeah. As she's like, you're as just, she can. Yeah, you're a horrible liar. Yeah. And that's pretty much the entire chapter. Well, we get a little bit into one of the reasons why he beat the other girl was his fans have some kind of like nerve agent or something like that hidden inside them. So he mentions that she's avoiding breathing in my like toxin or mist or whatever it is or like my cold power. Yeah. And he notices that she's doing a lot better than the other Hashira he was fighting. Like she's dodging all of his attacks more nimbly. She seems to be getting better at reading his movements as the fight progresses. And he notices, he's like, there's no way that hand signal meant don't breathe. And she somehow understood that I wasn't supposed to breathe in the mist that my fans are emitting. Like that's how that seems like that's how he managed to beat the Hashira he was fighting earlier was he kind of weakened her. So she realized that she couldn't do anything. Yeah, and also, it's like even if it did, like he, she shouldn't be able to not breathe while also dodging my attacks. Yeah, uh, well, and the big thing is all the Demon Slayers use breath techniques, so how is she fighting a uh, upper-level demon without using her breath techniques kind of thing? Like, you have to breathe to do those. Yeah. 
And that brings us to The Last Sayuki Chapter 10, Tokaishu Enchanted Land. Not to spoil our rankings or anything this week, but this chapter was so good it made me mad. Oh, really? Yeah, did you not like it that much? No, I I did like it. Just... But, like, uh, God damn it, I should have written this, this is too good, kind of mad. <laughs> I gotcha. That, like, envious mad. Like, uh, I was angry at how good this chapter is. So, I guess we'll just get into it. Yep. We start by finding out the girl who was pretending to be a magical girl at the end of the last chapter's name is Estelle Yutaka. She's 11 years old. Yep. Uh, the short dude she was with, though, is 32 years old. Yes. And he is, like, not quite Ryunosuke's dad's superior, but they are kind of equals yep. or were in the organization, but his dad is being punished for taking Kohaku like he did. Yep. They are also now in the, quote, enchanted land, which is, like, their kind of stronghold as a group. Yep. Well, everybody there has had their moo opened, and so they and they can all use the Niobu. Yep, and there's a perception blocking thing on it so that only people who have been granted permission can come in. Ah, uh, yeah. And so there's a you know pretty good bit where Estelle's like embarrassed that Ryunosuke caught her pretending to be a magical girl, but Ryunosuke kind of reassures her isn't the right word, but it's like, no, it's kind of cool. I watch that show sometimes. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I actually see a lot of people cosplaying here. Is it like some sort of costume party or something? And she's like, uh, no, but, you know, when you have your moo opened, like, if you feel fear, it can create monsters and it makes monsters stronger. So a lot of people will actually project fictional characters onto themselves to help deal with that fear. Yeah, and they, like, that is the idea that is so good it makes me mad. Because that yeah. is a metaphor for what fiction is actually for and when it is actually powerful. They're like, oh, last Sayuki, don't get canceled, please. This stuff is so good. And then the other idea that we get real at the end is Ryanosuke talking with Nero, who is the 32-year-old short dude, Yep. about Koharu and Kei. And he's like, yeah, Son Goku is actually, like, it's a myth based on two different people, Kei and Sei, and Kei could create monsters and Sei destroyed them. Yes. And so Ryanosuke's like, yeah, I talked to Kei in my dream, and she doesn't seem evil at all. And Nero's like, well, you can... Well, like back in the day, before we had science, people really didn't understand anything. So it was much easier for their moves to be opened. Yep. And like they would blame things like illnesses on monsters. And then if you could kill those monsters, you could cure the people with that illness and get rid of the illness. Yep. Which is another like super compelling idea. Yeah. And so he mentioned that the followers of chaos weren't necessarily evil, like... It wasn't cut and dry evil like we're trying to open the moo to end humanity. It was like we were trying to open everybody's mew to save humanity. Like if we can murder your fears, then they're like we'll remove the root cause of the problem, essentially. Yeah. Like we'll if you're if everyone's afraid about cancer and then we then murder cancer, it now no longer exists anymore. Yeah. Which, again, is just a super compelling idea. So yeah. I really like Last Sayuki this week, even though there was no action or anything to it. Yeah. Which brings us to a We Never Learned Chapter 110, Spirits on the Sandra X Part 4, which is the conclusion to this little arc. It's pretty good, too. Yeah. It's it not very... Last Sayuki good. <laughs> no, it was very heartfelt, though. Yeah. Which is when We Never Learned is kind of at its best. 
when it gets to be more than kind of raunchy comedy and gets to like get at the heart of these characters. Yeah. So we start off with some raunchy comedy. Yu-Gi-Oh has thrown his back. So he's that's he's like leaning over his senpai and she's like, wow, you're so close. He's like, yeah, I, I, I like threw my back out. And so I, I can't actually lean up anymore. And she cracks his back for him because yes. she saw her dad doing it with older people all the time. And they have basically just a big heart-to-heart discussion that I don't know that we can recap very well no. about the reason she wanted to become a doctor in the first place. Yeah. And Yu-Gi-Oh convinces her that even if her dad's clinic gets closed, she shouldn't give up on med school because the reason she wanted to be a doctor was to make people smile. Yeah. And she can do that anywhere. Yeah, that was really the big takeaway was that he was like, the real thing that you liked was the patient's smiles. The place didn't matter and so he he had found that old drawing of hers and he's like this and he points to all the patients are smiling including her and he's like that is what you really wanted was those smiles so the clinic doesn't matter because he apparently talked to her mom and that's why she was overseas being a like she's some kind of doctor and she was like well i'm doing it for the patients so if they need me over there over there is where i need to be it's not about running the little clinic in this town, which isn't a bad thing, but it's not about running the the clinic and being here. It's about bringing the patients the smiles. Yeah. And so we find out that her and her mom are almost exactly alike like that. Yep. So it ends on kind of this depressing moment where they hang a notice of closure on the door. But then her dad comes in and just crosses out the like clothes and writes new hours. And it's like, we will only be open on weekends. And like the way it's drawn in is very funny. Yes. I'm realizing as I try to describe it, it's 100% a visual gag. Yes, but it was very well done. And he's like, well, I mean, the big hospitals mostly closed on, or like the doctor's offices in there are closed on weekends. So people will still need help. And if it's only weekends, I think I can manage to keep going. It's like, yeah, also, I was totally listening in on you while shenanigans were happening. Yes. Uh, because that's how this series works. And it ends with his senpai giving him a kiss on the cheek and him getting super flustered about it. Yep. So, again, pretty good. It was a very strong week of Shonen Jump overall. We have one more chapter to talk about before we get into ranking. But still a pretty good conclusion to the arc. And yeah. We Never Learn is always strong on a conclusion. Yep. Which brings us to the last one we're going to talk about in detail. The Promised Neverland, chapter 134, Lost Boy. Which is less trippy than last, or I guess two weeks ago's Promised Neverland, but yep. still pretty trippy. Yeah. We have Old Ray in the desert, and I think it's a metaphor. Maybe, maybe or not. Or it's a framing device. So, or they're going to live here for 100 years and then escape. Did you notice the weird uh, art glitches? A little bit, but I wasn't 100% sure. How there's, to read into them? There's a bunch of them. So it made me think that this is some weird, like, mental manifestation. And as they're progressing... So after Old Ray, as they're progressing the way further through the base, there starts being more and more of these... They look like computer graphical glitch errors, like, yeah. built into the art, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, the art in this is super good. And so it's making me think that the it's, like, inconsistencies in the reality. Like, they're not actually in the base or they're not in a place that looks like it. They're in a hollow deck, and the hollow deck is starting to degrade because they're starting to think more kind of thing. That was what I got out of it. So not a whole lot happened. I just really thought it was kind of cool because it I didn't notice the first one of those glitches. I was like almost near the end of the chapter. I'm like, wait, why does that thing look weird? And I started like flipping back and notice more and more of them in like almost every single page. 
as they start moving their way through because after they leave Grace House, they enter the shelter that they've been living in forever. Yeah. So I just thought it was really cool. Yeah, and like the way that like every time they go to a door, it leads somewhere kind of different and new, and they're like flipping in on each other. Yeah, and like, oh, now we're walking on the ceiling. Now we're walking on the walls of the room that we were in three rooms ago. Like, this is very weird. And like, so that's where I started noticing the the graphical glitches getting like more prevalent and bigger. And I just thought it was really well presented. Yeah, the art is super good. I thought that was the last one. I realized that somehow we missed one we definitely wanted to talk about, which is Hellward and Higuma Chapter 19 in between. Well, I thought you were saving this one for last specifically. Yeah, I mean, I could very easily make it sound like I was, wasn't I? But I just skipped it. Okay. So anyway, this gave me a lot of vibes similar to the end of Neolation with all the characters kind of getting together and making plans, yep. including the new twin Hellwardens that were introduced to, uh, Sagara and Yukira. Yep. And there's a cool thing where their Zaiju, instead of hands, they like take demons' mouths. Yes. So they use it to in- interrogate demons. But the whole time I had kind of an off feeling. And we find out that the like Higuma's family's goal is to capture, and I'm using the term because it's the only way we know to refer to him the old man who i guess is the guy who freed all the demons of initially yeah he's the when in the flashback when higuma's aunt was talking with and and ketsu Ensu, whatever his name is they were in that old, the old man's realm and he's like oh he's mostly particulate matter like he's the soot flying around right now and he can only manifest once every hundred years or whatever that like that's the old man that they're referring to the one who released all of the demons from hell yeah, and we find out that his plan is to, like, release all demons from hell. Yes. But in doing so, he has to resurrect the old man. So it's just completely resurrect. So Yeah, because, like, like I said, the old man can only manifest, like, once every hundred years or something like that. So it was something with probably the binding or the spell that he used to get a bunch of the demons out kind of made him into that weird form. So he's like, I need to do something else in order to bring him back to his full power so that we can let everybody out. Yeah. Uh, but the Hellwardens are like, but that will make him vulnerable, so we will have a chance to actually catch him. Yep. And then we could stop being Hellwardens. <laughs> so it ends with everybody kind of getting together kind of high style. Yep. They don't actually go through a plan. But no. They like, get to that like dramatic anime, and now we're going to do it. And that's the end of Hellwarden Higuma. <laughs> Yep. Very similar to the end of Neolation, actually, except for Neolation kind of pivoted to be like, and now we're going to eat hot dogs and it's going to be great. Yeah, this was at least, come on, we got plans to make. And that's the end. It's like, oh, there is going to be an epilogue in July. I don't know how long that'll be. It wouldn't surprise me if there are a couple chapters or maybe one big chapter or if he's just getting one to finish the story. But yeah, I guess this is the downside of getting everything in Shonen Jump instead of just the popular stuff. Yeah, we get to see all the series that just die on the vine. Yeah. And Hellwarden wasn't my favorite either. Um, but of the three that started at that time, it's the one I like the most now. Yeah. Well, and with, I mean, besides Chainsaw Man starting to drop a little bit, like Hellwarden was consistently in the middle. So yeah. it's not like it was, Neolation was almost always at the bottom. Hellwarden was in the middle. Like, we usually liked it more than some of the other more popular chapters. So it just, it was a little depressing to be like, Oh, so first we cancel Neolation, now we're canceling Hellwarden. Next week we're going to cancel another one. To be fair, I think Chainsaw Man's going to survive. I don't know if I want it to anymore, but I think it is. Yeah. We'll well, see. We will see. 
And that brings us to Jump Card. Jump Card is the segment where we rank this week's chapters from our least favorite up to our favorite. Everything, not just the ones we talked about earlier. So we have 17 this week because there was a lot of Shonen Jump. So, Kevin, what do you have at number 17? I have Haikyuu at number 17 because I was just kind of bored. Uh, yeah, that is, that's our battle cry when it comes to Haikyuu, isn't it? Yeah, I just I I don't understand the volleyball things at all and i, I it's have weird no that connect- we started so high on it too right we're like oh the metaphors in here are super good and the life advice yeah and now and it's it apparently like- it was apparently just those chapters because it's like i and i i don't think it's haiku's fault it's the fact that we're we started at like chapter 300 or something ridiculous like that yeah we're like oh i have no connection to these characters well because the the story doesn't actually need you to put any more backstory or connect to the characters anymore they've been doing that for 300 chapters now we're doing a bunch of other resolution stuff that we're just kind of missing out on like i have no idea what makes this other team good other than the fact that they are winning uh yeah and it doesn't help that neither of us really like the art style of haikyuu i don't have no. the problems with it that you do but it's not my favorite but at the bottom this week i have chainsaw man because that chapter just really turned me off it went from a series that I you know, really liked at the start to one that I pretty consistently looked forward to. To After this, I really don't know if I want Chainsaw Man to keep going. Yeah. What do you have at number 16? Chainsaw Man. Okay. I just, it was kind of the, to quote another podcast, it being boring kind of made me not like Haikyuu as much. Like Chainsaw Man, even though I didn't like it, at least gotcha. made me feel something. I gotcha. I those are my words you're using against me there, Kevin. Yes, um, yes, they are. And I can definitely see your point. I have Yui Camillo at number 16. Uh the first time I'm putting it below you, I think, ever. It's my number 15. So yeah. uh, it was just a really weird, like it was interesting weird. And maybe I actually should put it above Haikyuu for the reason you just said of at least it was interesting. But, like, it's such a weird, like, the characters, when they're good, are good, but they're so inconsistent. Like, this this chapter brought up so many questions, I feel like, it about de- the entire premise, yes. and it's not prepared to answer them. No, it definitely brought up a lot of stuff about Yui. Uh, so, Yui has to pretend to be Yui and White because all 16 of the chains were stolen from both people somehow. Yeah. And... So we have her trying to do it, but clearly she doesn't know how. And there's just a lot more of that non-consent thing of like, yeah, why but, can't but, you just let be me, me be me? But also she is kind of trying to. Sort of, yeah. yeah like, and that, that motivation's weird. And also her friend is like, oh, please try for me because I might I, not be allowed to hang out with you anymore for failing. And she's like, Yui and Black clearly considers her to be her friend. So she's doing it for her. Yeah, it's, it's just super weird. No, it, it's just it. And I didn't think this week was pretty er, particularly funny. No. Whereas a lot of times I will defend it on that note. This week, none of the jokes worked for me. There weren't even really that many jokes. No, there's the, actually there is one I liked, which is where 
Yui gets called on because she's always called on because she's like the best girl in class, but she has no idea what's going on because she hasn't been to school since the fifth grade. Yeah. And I really like that idea that like, because A, she's delinquent and B, she's been suppressed. She hasn't acquired any school. Yeah. So it's like, not only is she, it's not like she's been passively learning everything. Yeah. She, it's essentially, she's been asleep every time Yui and White comes out, which leads to even crazier non-consent things. Like, yeah. So it's not just that she doesn't feel like she's in control. Like, she literally does not exist while the other one is there. Just. It's bizarre. Yeah. I kind of don't hope Yui Kamio gets canceled, though, just because I kind of. It's a beautiful train wreck when it's a train wreck. Gotcha. You want to see where the train wreck goes. Yeah, exactly. So what was your 15? Uh, Haikyuu. Okay. Because it's boring. <laughs> yep. All righty, then. My... 14 was Dr. Stone. Uh, yeah, and I thought Dr. Stone was really good this week, but also it was just a really good week for Shonen Jump. Yeah, this felt a little bit more of a return to form for Dr. Stone to me. That's why it's kind of down a little bit. Like, it was just kind of like, I invented a Sherlock Holmes, essentially. <laughs> I, I see where you're going. Uh, to me, the fact that there's like tension on this, that at the end of last week, everyone got turned to stone. And so suddenly there's this huge increase in stakes made this really work for me. I definitely see what you're getting at. It's yeah. very procedural. Yeah. And it's not like I, it's not like I didn't like it. It was just like, that's kind of what brought it down was like, Oh, so we had this thing where they got turned to stone and then it's like a return to form of like, now let's invent us a Sherlock Holmes. We need to go find uh, this girl who might know where to find the origin of the petrification beam, which is on this island, because there's no way I'm presumably on this island. Yeah, but there was a cute shot of all the characters who survived as cops, and that was some Food Wars level stuff that I want more of in my Dr. Stone. Yes. So I put it a little higher than you, but only a little bit. Yeah. Uh, number 14, I have Jujutsu Kaisen, because the fight didn't do much for me and the emotional stuff behind it. It's just because I'm not you know, caught up on Jujutsu Kaisen, I'm pretty sure, but it really didn't do anything for me. I did like some of the ideas, some of the character, like trying to figure out like the stuff about, Hey, you tried to bunt, but, and you, that's fine in baseball. It's a team sport, but you can't bunt in curse hunting. Yeah. I liked some of that metaphor stuff, but the fight didn't do much for me. It wasn't as boring as Haikyuu, which is why I went higher, but it had some of the same effect. My number 13 was Hell Warden. Because, again, it's, I feel like, I it's not that I didn't like it, it just, it felt kind of like, and I've suddenly got to wrap this up now. And so, that, it just kind of, the ending felt rushed, and I felt unfulfilled when it was, even though there's going to be an epilogue, it was like, alright, so we're going to get together to defeat the old man, which you'll never find out about. I assume cool. we will. I assume that's what the epilogue is going to be. Probably, but that it will be unsatisfying if it's like, all right, so I finally learned how to become slightly stronger. By the by, five years later, I have managed to <laughs> defeat the I, the old man. Ha ha! I don't I think it's going it. to be a traditional. I don't think it's going to no. be a denouement. No, but <laughs> that's just that was the feeling I was getting out it of it. It would be great. It's like, and then I married Ayaha. Go read One Piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, and number thirteen, I have Doctor Sen. Gotcha. My number 12 was Jujutsu Kaisen. I liked it a little bit more than you. Again, I liked the Gojo Sensei talking to, I keep wanting to call him Aki now, and that's not his name. The alternate main character of the series being like, 
you're too reliant on being a team player and being a jujitsu sorcerer is an individual sport. Like, yes, teamwork is important, but you have to be about you. You will never become stronger as a person if you're already always worried about being there for someone else or not. If you're always worried about supporting someone else, like you have to care about yourself. And I thought the fight was kind of interesting because I know a bit more about the whole creating the domain was actually a really hard thing to do. So it was kind of neat to see him be able to do that. So my number 12 is Samurai 8. We already talked a lot about it up front. But like I said, I just found it disappointing. And everything from Dr. Stone up is stuff I liked. I am curious yeah. where Samurai 8 goes. The biggest problem with Samurai 8 is I want it to be a color American comic. And it can't be. Yeah, It's not a fair expectation of it. But that stuff worked much better to me than the black and white stuff. Yeah, my number 11 is Black Clover. We get some more backstory into Nero. And that it wasn't actually, or Nero isn't actually a demon. She was just this noble who apparently her magic was the ability to lock and unlock things. And everyone thought, well, that's pointless. What is the point of being able to lock and unlock doors? And so she met the, not then, but the person who would become the first wizard king. She was like given to his care because he was a super genius. And she's like, uh, the, one of the first things he asked her is, hey, what's your magic? She's like, oh, I can lock and unlock things. It's pretty lame. He's like, what are you talking about lame? That's amazing. Do you know how cool that is? And he starts figuring out all this stuff that she can do with it. And she's like, oh, I don't totally suck. I was just like, you know, everyone else can shoot like fireballs. And that's a very cool power. But just like in D&D, solve problems <laughs> sounds really stupid when you look at it from the context of like, well, yeah, I can't cause somebody to explode. But but then you have a problem and someone needs to solve it. Yeah. Like even stuff, even early level stuff like web, like, oh, it's not that interesting. <laughs> and then you watch it stop a minotaur somehow <laughs> for like eight rounds. Improbably. All he needed to do was roll above a four. <laughs> Never happened. I have Black Clover actually a bit higher because I really like the world building that we're doing in this one. It was kind of a bummer that. None of the like current characters were in the chapter at all. It was all flashback stuff. But and I assume you're getting to this. We also yes. find out that he his sister tried to marry Licht to kind of unite the elves and the humans. Yep. But the devil showed up and like leaked the location of the wedding and convinced the human armies to attack the elves because they had kidnapped the princess. Yes. And he tried to pin it on the prince who was going to become the first wizard king. Yep. Although he manages to avoid that thanks to the person who can lock and unlock things. Yeah. Like so coming she, across him bound up by the devil. Yeah. And she unlocks or she does like basically a reversed ceiling thing to unlock the binding on him, which again, really cool. Yeah. So he's able to get there. Not in time to save everyone, but he shows up in as, time to in time to make things less bad. Yeah. He shows up and Licht is like, oh, I knew it wasn't you. Unfortunately, I've taken in too much anti-magic or something like that, so I've got a selfish favor to ask. I need you to kill me. And we also found out that Licht and the first Wizard King together kind of invented the five-leaf grimoire. Yeah. Because, like, the prince's thing was he wanted to invent magic items to make yep. magic users more equal, basically. Yeah, he wanted to help out, you know, the commoners and stuff who couldn't use higher level magic. Oh, well, I can give them magic items so that they're not so impoverished and stuck feeling inadequate or stuck doing menial tasks because they cannot, you know, like some of the mage knight captains could make spells that farm entire fields in minutes. But 
since they're nobles, they would never think of doing something like that. So at number 11, I have My Hero Academia. Like I said, it felt like kind of a weak transitory chapter. This is by far the lowest I've ever put My Hero Academia, but yeah. really good uh, week, and it was just okay. Yeah, that's why my a lot of my stuff in uh, up at this level kind of blends together. So my number 10 was Hell's Paradise. So I thought there was some cool stuff. We have the back... Uh, not to interrupt... I was almost certain that the week we took off, they actually mentioned that ship. I was certain we weren't going to hear about it again for like three months. So just every week we don't record is when that ship is going to show up. Yes. That's not, they get mentioned again this chapter. But part of me was like, people are going to think we're making this up if they just listen to the podcast and don't read Hell's Paradise. Yes. Although to be fair, the ship has actually showed up. Like we actually get to see them again. Yes. And they're on the island. So some, the backstory into the, leader of the samurai on the ship who some of the people know about they're like well i mean you know we've got some allies coming in we probably count on him right and all of them being like eh, probably not well she is always lawful good yeah or or i guess always lawful definitely not good no he's definitely lawful neutral he's in that aikainu mold of well this is what the law says yeah so there's this great thing of so it's like, oh, yeah, we captured this one Yakuza boss, essentially. And, but there were a bunch of his underlings that escaped and he wouldn't give up the names. So he brought the one, the other ones that we did capture and killed them in front of the man until he told him. And she's like, well, I mean, that was kind of harsh. But, you know, that like that seems like a good guy to have on your team. And then the one blind samurai guy is like, no, you don't know the whole story because we don't like to talk about it. When we say he killed the entire, I think it's like Serpent Clan, yeah. we don't mean the members of the gang. We meant the entire Serpent Clan, all of the members of the gang, every single member of their family, elders and children. He murdered in front of this guy. That's why he broke him. Yeah. As like, it's like oh. so he's not going to work with some criminals ever. Yeah. And he will consider us criminals for working with some criminals. Yeah. So he's like, this guy getting on the island will only make everything worse. Yes, and we also see that he is, in fact, a badass, because he beats up one of the tree demons. Yeah, without his sword. He's like, oh, this was like a special blade giving to me. It's not worth, like, these guys are riffraff and trash, so I'll just kill them with my fists. Yeah. At number 10, I have Promised Neverland, because the story didn't do much for me, even though the art is super good, and I did really like the ideas. It's not really moving anything forward, I didn't think. And again, everything was super good up here. So, Yep. My number nine was Act Age. So I thought this was pretty cool. We get introduced to another major player for this next arc. I, I do really like his introduction, too. I put Act Age quite a bit higher than you did. Yep. He's this like famous American actor, or maybe he's a Japanese actor who moved to America and is back. It's a Japanese story, so probably. Yep. That they have kind of recruited to work opposite of k and the other i think just k specifically i think it's going to be two different casts entirely i didn't i thought it was just going to be the two like it was going to be the same cast with the two of them being different that would make more sense probably but just got the way they were talking about it it seemed like the whole cast was going to rotate or maybe they just want this guy cast because they think he will support k better than i i got i got the idea that it was going to be both of them working with this guy like He's going to be the major play. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe it is that he's going to be the one working with K and there's going to be another male lead. 
but it, it, he didn't give the vibe like he is also going to be in the situation where he has to deal with that's true dealing with another male lead that's true and he's the more famous one so yeah presumably he wouldn't want that anyway he is a super famous hollywood actor also he is an anime character as noted by he just fell asleep in the middle of a field yes and when he woke up he was being mobbed by fans who he yelled at because he was cranky and uh then decided just to give up, him... but then gave him an autograph and was like, "Be sure that you keep it safe." It is super cool because yes. he has super wild mood swings. Yeah, there's there's definitely I love a shot of he's talking with the two producer guys as he's holding a girl's head like writing on it, like just not even paying attention or like, and I'm just autographing your face now. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, he's like, "Hey, you're the one who shot that music video, right?" And he's like, "Yeah," but he's like. I didn't put my name on or anything. He's like, I'm not an idiot. I am an anime actor. I know these things. He's like, I've seen your work before. I know your style. Yeah. So, like, you better not be wasting my time with this next storyline. Well, and he seems genuinely excited about it. Like, hey, if you're interested in her, then she's probably pretty good, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I liked Act Age quite a bit. I put it a bit higher. Uh, we're at number nine, right? Yes. This is where I have Hell's Paradise. So, gotcha. So, my number eight was Demon Slayer. I thought it was pretty cool with the, she's not her, the Hashira's younger sister, but I think she's a member of the family or like she used to live in the house or something like that. Like they're, they like at least know each other kind of thing. I mean, clearly they know each other, but I'm not entirely sure if they're sisters or not. I don't remember, but her showing up to fight the upper moon too. And him being like, huh, she actually seems more powerful than the Hashira I was already fighting. Yeah. I, there's not a lot to say about Demon Slayer. It was good, but not a lot happened in it. So Yeah, so what was your number eight? Uh, Black Clover, okay. which again, I've pretty much set all my yep. pieces on. So my number seven was Samurai 8. I liked it quite a bit more than you, I think, just because I really liked the premise. Like, I realized there wasn't a whole lot going on in the first story, but the premise really had me excited for seeing more of it. And I did not have the, like, sure, it would be cool to have it be in color but i did not have the uh i just wish this was a colored american comic yeah my number seven is demon slayer again i don't know i have much to say about it but gotcha. didn't even put it that much higher than you yep my number six was we never learn i it was just a really solid heartfelt chapter of we never learn there were shenanigans there was emotions it was great my number six is hellward and higuma because while i was a little depressed that we're not going to get more of it i did like the chapter as a unit of story. I like the two new Hell Wardens it introduced. I liked Higuma sticking to his guns. I liked Ayaha showing up in this. And I liked the kind of heist feel it had in the end of, okay, we got to do this thing. Yep. Even though I don't know that it's going to get a satisfying resolution. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. So my number five was My Hero. I guess I just liked it a lot more. Like I said, I, when I was talking about it, I liked the shot of Tomura disintegrating the... The reason I say World War Z pile of zombies is I was originally watching a video that involves zombies that do that so yeah it, it definitely had that look to it yeah my number fives we never learned pretty much all the reasons you said i yep. just had my hero lower so my number four was food wars i thought this was a really solid chapter of food wars really enjoyed it really liked the in this saiba is the hero and soma is the evil dark lord yeah uh, in like everyone else's perception of them i just thought it was really cool my number four is Act Age. Like I said, I liked it a lot. I really liked the stuff in the beginning of that chapter, too, with Kay meeting her rival and their yes. like, very amicable but still rival relationship. Yes. 
essentially her rival is like, listen, just because you're inferior to me doesn't mean we can't be friends. <laughs> so my number three was the Promised Neverland. I just thought the the graphical art glitch thing was really cool and just really had me interested to see what's going on for the next chapter. So that was really what drove it. Like, uh, it's, it's asking some questions. There wasn't a whole lot going on, but just the fact that those kept like showing up in the frames had me asking all these questions of, are they like hallucinating? Is the weird symbol demon thing projecting this onto their thoughts? Are they like just lying in a, like the entry chamber to the gatehouse or whatever? So yeah, just really, it made me ask a lot of interesting questions. So I liked it. My number three is One Piece. Like I said, the art was really good this chapter, and I did like the both the like question asked at the end and Ayasu's attempt to like put the genie back in the bottle. It does seem kind of futile to me, but it is an interesting wrinkle in the story that's already going on. And the great thing about One Piece is it just throws more and more gasoline on that pile until the match finally goes off. So yeah. I'm not going to say no to more gasoline. It was my number two. And I think it actually, it like, it mostly worked. Sure, the Orochi and his like upper tier followers might not have fallen for the, oh, I just made up the rebellion. But a lot of the general populace think, oh, he had just made up the rebellion as the joke and Orochi has gone insane over it. And so he did it and it will kind of help out the... I, I certainly think it'll hinder morale. Yeah, well, and it also will help raise the morale of people who might have been on the fence about joining the rebellion. Yeah. Like the Orochi started arresting people based on this suspicion of a rumor that turned out to be a joke from this much beloved guy from history like that's just not gonna go over well yeah uh my number two is food wars it was really really good food wars like this is what i'm here for when it comes to food wars mostly uh the fried rice reveal was really good just like the underwhelmingness of it and also like that saw soma as an evil wizard fighting saipa as a knight yes super good oh this also i just now realized this him doing fried rice for the saipa fight is kind of exactly what he did the first time he met arena yeah of it's like i have made fried rice yep like it's a good place for soma to go back to yes um yeah i really liked it so number one's the last sayuki because that shit's off the hook yes you liked it more than me i still super enjoyed it but like the reason i sounded surprised when you're like this was the best thing ever i was like well i i liked a lot of the chapters like sure i liked this a lot but this was it made it sound like to me you were like, oh, I just, I really liked Food Wars. And then this made me want to go learn Japanese so that I can buy the books from them. Yeah. Over well, there. look, I, I can go to Amazon.jp. I can get 10 copies of this delivered to me. And I don't know what I'm going to do with them. But I, I am certain that how well Last Sayuki Volume 1 sells is going to affect whether or not it stays in Shonen Jump. And it had a really strong first seven chapters. So I'm hoping it will have very good sales yeah me too i really like that first arc so um but like at the end of it is when the series really started catapulting up to where it is now yeah. like that neobo splitting off chapter yeah and i don't know if that would be in the first volume or not but it depends on how long they make it yeah going off a standard volume length it wouldn't be yeah anyway loved it cannot wait for more yeah four weeks in a row now mutual number one 
Yeah, so that was Jump Card. Yeah. So next we're going to talk about something that Kevin really likes, which is One Punch Man Volume 1. So we'll talk about that after the break. All right, so we read One Punch Man, Volume 1 this week, which I know is one of Kevin's favorite manga. Is it your favorite right now, would you say? Manga? Probably. It's definitely up there. I usually have a hard time being like, this is my absolute favorite. Well, yeah, you're an adult. You don't have favorites anymore. But No, but it's definitely up there. It is definitely one of the, like, again, I don't read it every week in Shonen Jump, but I'm paying attention to the the Reddit helps me keep track of when new chapters are released and it's definitely one of the highlights of like my month of like yes there's a new chapter of one punch man as i came to the one punch man party kind of late i watched the anime like two years after it aired and i did really like it but i actually found reading the first volume of the manga to be kind of disappointing really yeah i think the manga is paced really poorly and that the anime adaption does a lot to make this first story work a lot better just in the way it's organized, because the first couple of chapters of One Punch Man are just kind of single adventures, yeah, kind of like an American comic. And I don't think Saitama works very well in a vacuum. Like, we'll talk about this more in Jump Card. And to be fair, I don't think any character works super well in a vacuum. But I think the anime made the very smart decision of making Geno show up much earlier so that Saitama has someone to actually play off of. Yeah. Because just having Saitama violence at things, I was going to say it's hard to say why this manga took off when you only have that. But actually, it's very easy. And it's that this art is super good. Uh, like, also, not just from the art standpoint, uh, this came out as a webcomic first. So you had a giant and this was a super popular webcomic. So you had a giant number of followers who were suddenly like, oh, we can get the manga now. And that would have given it enough pull to get Genos in and the other characters in to keep it chugging along like just them suddenly buying the manga would have been enough to push it over the hill that you'd get to the better part of the story and i've never read the one punch man webcomic neither so have I, I so i don't know if this is actually accurate but i do think a lot of these earlier chapters would work much better in that format when you're not paying anything for it and you're just going there to see a page yeah and maybe you get a decent joke and yep. that's kind of all you're going for. Or you get a you know super awesome splash page of a really good punch. Yeah. The art in the webcomic is not, not good. good. Yeah. I know. No, not not as good. Not good. <laughs> like I, I'm not like obviously I cannot draw that good. But actually, no, I can draw I can draw better than that. But most people cannot draw that good. So there there's actually a great thing at the start of the volume with Yusuke Murata being like, his head is so simple yet so difficult to draw correctly. And there's a lot of flashbacks to the webcomics, and that's when you'll see Saitama being drawn kind of like, not poorly, but... I know exactly what you mean, and I actually think that adds to the art. Yes. that makes a real comedic contrast to the, like, super murder that's going on in the background and the super detailed buildings oh, and man. the explosions. And there is one punch splash page in here that looks incredible. Yep. Well, I mean, the volume starts off with a very awesome-looking splash page of an explosion happening in the middle of a city. 
And that is definitely the appeal here, but it also hurts the pacing because action costs you a lot in a comic because it takes up a lot of space. Yep. And that is the limiting factor in a comic, which is, I think, why One Punch Man to me feels like such a slow starter, despite having all this action. And the second chapter is Saitama's origin story. But Saitama's origin story, like, it's important to the story, but it's not particularly interesting and it's not a particularly funny joke either. No. It the, it's the most he gets characterized at all, but well, he's not for now. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's true. But he's not really supposed to be a character you sympathize with in a lot of ways. No, in contrast to a lot of other protagonists, which is again why I think Genos is such an important element. Yeah, definitely the strength of One Punch Man is the quote unquote supporting cast. It's the guys that are interacting around Saitama, like, and I'm really glad that it got billed to me this way that. One Punch Man is, instead of being a shonen manga, it is the end of a shonen manga. So Saitama has reached the pinnacle of strength, become the wizard pirate king. Yeah, he's Super Saiyan 3 Goku, and we have, like, Gohan and Vegeta around him no. being well-developed characters trying to hang. Yeah, and he has to fight, like, dudes from Dragon Ball, yeah. essentially. As Super Saiyan 3 Goku. And I I just, I really like that dichotomy of he's like, so I don't feel anything and everything's boring. What is the point of being this strong? And then you see all these other people around him. So it's funny seeing the people who refuse to believe in his strength. Like, what? No, that guy's a doofus. There's no way he's that powerful. And then you see the other people who recognize and are like, how is this guy, like, how is he, has he not solved, solved all the world's problems? How is he this powerful? I think also maybe part of the problem is having seen the anime, a lot of these jokes, like they play the same way in the anime as the manga, yes. which is good on the anime, but th I don't think that they work twice. Like you, no. the first villain is like, ah, oh, I have this tragic backstory about how I'm an embodiment of the world's pollution. And I couldn't be possibly lose to a guy like you who is a hero for fun. And then he gets one punched, obviously. Yes. Because that's the whole premise. I don't know that that joke works. Like, I understand it escalating, and that's kind of the point of, like, chapter three, is that, like, it's a much bigger dude. Yep. And, like, it's like, maybe this is the threat, but it's not. And I think maybe having seen the anime already, knowing it's not, takes away some from it. Yeah, I could see that. I on, could see your feelings on that. On the other hand, a handful of jokes do work fine. Like, in the first chapter, Saitama saves a girl who's got literally just a shirt on that says school girl on it. No, I'm sorry. School child. Yes. Written on it. And that's like some pretty good, efficient cartooning. Yes. And like drawn in this hyper realistic style. That's super violent. It like the contrast really works as a joke. Oh, uh, I love Murata's art so much. Yeah. And like I said, I'm tempted to say, I can't see why this took off. It's not very well written, but then I look at the art and I'm like, Oh wait, that's why, because this guy could draw anything and it would look, well yep. enough to sell and like i said once genos actually shows up at the end it starts to work a lot better the joke is the same in the anime but i love in the manga how genos tells his backstory and it's just two panels just completely filled with text that's just like weighing saitama down in them yes and i it's like poorly it comes off like a poorly written rp character's background that's too long and needs editing and yeah, is he's just expositing tragic. yeah he's expositing a bunch of like useless info not useless information but it's like you're, you're too much information man all right so you have a tragic backstory like 
a rampaging demon cyborg killed my parents and now I'm out for revenge. There. There's your backstory. That's cool. That's Uh interesting. I do not need to know. Then three years, you know, three years before I had scraped my knee and that made me always want, like, no, we're, we're done here. So, like, it's hard to recommend the manga when season one of the anime exists. Season two of the uh, anime, I don't, I haven't actually been watching it, so this is an uninformed opinion. Sounds like maybe you could just read the manga. Yes. So, uh, I, I'm not disliking season two, but uh, the, a lot of the quality has gone down, and because of that, it's it's like just go read the manga. Like, I've been reading the manga because I that's how much I like the story, and just like. Because this was uh, one's webcomic at first, I think that might be why it kind of got off to such a weird start, is essentially they're just recreating the webcomic. So, and I see how this joke works as a webcomic. Yeah. Like, even as a weekly comic, it's got, like, a almost Garfield quality to it in a weird way. Yep. Of, like, instead of, oh, I hate Mondays, it's, oh, I punch this guy and he dies. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it works very well, and it really just makes the anime more impressive in that they immediately latch on to how it works. And they adapt all these stories in the anime, but they paste them in in such a way that they feel like they're reinforcing the setting and the characters and aren't just this weird repeated joke. Yeah, and I know a lot of people who do not like the anime or the manga are like, oh, it's just always the joke about Saitama punching the monster to death. Well, as you get further and further into the manga, he stops doing that. Like, you'll have multiple chapters of him not even being there or him not fighting the monster. Like, there's, I think it just, it, you can see the manga kind of growing up as it goes along. Like, like you've said, it's finding his identity because this was the first thing, I'm pretty sure this was the first thing one had ever written. He has done Mob Psycho, which also really solid anime and does not have an English translation of the manga webcomic thing that he did. So that one, just go watch the anime because there's no real way to do it in English or like reading it. But I definitely, just because it started off a little rough, I just, I like the characters. And because this was technically an adaptation, it that had a huge fan base. That's probably why it got started so well was there were people who really liked the webcomic, probably not that much from the very beginning. Maybe some people are like, Oh, that's pretty funny. And then they tell their friends and then they keep reading it. And the story keeps progressing and getting more and more complicated. Well, and again, if you, you just see one of those punches, like that two page spread of that punch online. And I think you want to check this manga out. Yeah. So I, like I said, at first I was confused, and then I was looking at it like, oh no, this makes perfect sense. Yeah. And there are things about Saitama's character I do like, like the fact that he's struggling because he became too good at this thing he wants to do. Like, that's a weird problem to have. Yes. But as someone who's had dead-end jobs, it does go from a place where you're like, oh, like, work's actually kind of an interesting challenge. You're like, it's just what I do. And like, I've had that in my hobbies as well. So, but you yep. keep doing them because they're what you've always done. And I think there is an interesting hook there, but I also think he desperately needs people to play off of, which to be fair, most characters do. I don't think Goku's very interesting without villains to play off of or Krillin there to contrast him or Bulma. Yeah. It's just such a bizarre choice that for the first five, six chapters of this, it's just Saitama. Yeah. And again, I think a lot of that is the, maybe it was the webcomic pacing, but we do get Genos in and he starts bouncing off him. And then we start slowly 
as the manga progresses, we start slowly adding more and more characters for him to bounce off of. And that's what I really enjoy about One Punch Man are these other characters, their stories, their interaction with having to deal with the fact that Saitama is the most powerful man on the planet. Yeah, I just think the manga is a real rough start, especially compared to the anime, which covers kind of all the important stuff that happens in this volume in the first episode. Like I said, they changed the way stuff is presented, so it's not like they cover everything in that first episode. It's more that they just start around chapter six. But I think that's a much better way to tell the story. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about this volume, Kevin? Well, since we didn't mention it, Yusuke Murata is actually the illustrator for iShield 21. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Wow. I mean, I I do like iShield 21, but... Yeah, that was something I was like, I was looking it up. I was like, oh, he was the illustrator for iShield 21. That's pretty cool. I didn't realize iShield 21 had an illustrator because I know it was a older manga and they generally didn't tend to do that you generally had the author and the illustrator being the same person in most manga yeah but it's not always been true i do feel like very recently though we see a lot of duos although i wonder if it's just by some weird coincidence a lot of the duo stuff just never came over to america we got a lot of the akira toriyama stuff and the yeah that that is totally possible and like i understand switching to the duo thing like somebody like yusuke murata who's an amazing artist and i'm not saying that he can't make stories but the fact that it's like all right well we have this guy who's really good at writing stories and this guy who's really good at drawing we'll have them make the comic rather than getting a guy who's pretty good at making stories and can also draw to try and make his own comic like it just seems more challenging to try and have one guy do everything as opposed to all right well we'll get the two of them collaborating together and that will make it better I mean, the contrast is it's cheaper, and yes. part of the magic of Shonen Jump is it costs zero money to get a ton of stories, but yes, I agree with you. There's a reason American comics have been doing that it that way for most of their run. You only have a couple of Jack Kirby's who could do four comics a month, writing and drawing everything on their own, which is what a typical mangaka is expected to do. Yes. So shall we move on to personality power level? Sure. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? So personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. At the top, we have Zuki Midoriya from My Hero Academia, because he's the best boy. In the middle, we have Asta from Black Clover, because he's the medium boy. And at the bottom, we have that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. And I don't think he's the worst boy, but he's not my favorite boy. Yep. So, like, looking kind of dead center, I honestly don't think I like Saitama as much as Asta. No. Or, like, Ichigo's right below him. Actually, a few below him is Sana from My Shield 21, who, if it's the same illustrator, seems like a decent point of comparison. I'm tempted to say lower than Sana, although I do think we're kind of in the right ballpark now. Yeah, I would agree with lower than Sana. I do know a bit more about Saitama gets more characterization as the thing progresses, even past uh, season one of the anime. But especially for volume one, like he's just kind of the he's the parody of Superman of I, I beat everything in one punch. So he doesn't have much character to him. He's literally just that parody. And it's the other people that have character around him. So a little on that, we have Yu-Gi-Oh from We Never Learn. And I think I'd probably put him lower than that, too, because Yu-Gi-Oh does have personality. Uh, right below Yu-Gi-Oh, we have Sora from No Game, No Life. You're more the expert there. This is when I'm going to use my knowledge of the actual manga to put Saitama ahead of Sora, because honestly, Sora has kind of a very similar trait. He's part of the duo that always wins the game. And 
while that's not his only character trait, Saitama, he has some really cool stuff with dealing with the fact that he's like, so I'm the strongest dude ever now. That sucks. I kind of want to challenge. Like, there's, and this was amazingly animated in the anime, but the dream sequence where he fights the subterraneans. And, like, it's amazingly drawn in the manga yes. as well. But just that whole sequence where he's like, oh my god, this is what I've been missing. The thrill of actually fighting something. Because I haven't had a fight in, like, two years. Because if I kill everything in one punch, th there wasn't a point to it. Like, I'm not actually fighting, I'm just cleaning up the, I'm just throwing out the trash. Well, he's like, it's like squashing bugs for me. Yes. So he specifically says, I don't feel anything different when, like, I murder this giant monster man than when I kill a mosquito. Yes. And, um, I just really like that characterization of him just kind of dealing with it and him trying to realize, maybe I need to be a person. Like, sure, I was a hero for fun. Because that was what I decided I wanted to do. But somewhere along the way, I lost all of my feeling. And I'm now just the strongest person. And don't really have anything to do with it. Does Saitama have a last name? I don't know. I'm going to say no. But maybe he does. Maybe it's like revealed when he joins the Hero Association that he has a last name. But I believe he... I, I don't think we know what his last... Like I said, it might have been revealed then, but like it's not important. Uh, so Saitama will go at number 20, above Sora and below Yu-Gi-Oh! That does it for this week. What are we going to read next week, Jeremy? So there's a lot of shonen manga that I feel like is overdue for us to take a look at, and that's part of why we're going to be reading all sorts of shonen this month. And the first one I think we should do, checking off stuff off that list, is the one where we have a, a main character from our album art on so we are going to read volume one of yu yu Hakusho next week i don't remember what his catchphrase is i was going to try and say something like radical or i'm a delinquent don't think yusuke has a catchphrase i don't think he does either but i just i wanted <laughs> but to i do like the idea of just like trying to threaten i'm a delinquent now whenever he like wins or something like yes I'm just, I'm just imagining him like beating hie and I'm like i'm a delinquent <laughs> or when he's like fighting tagoro i'm a delinquent yes in the meantime, you can find our past episodes at www.lastpodcast.com. That's also where you can find the personality power level list, as well as our Discord. If you'd like to talk to us, that's the best place to get a hold of us. Uh, you can also find my other two podcasts there, Last Time on Video Games and It's a Gundam. If you like the episode, please tell a friend or give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars really helps us out, helps other people find the show. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit, and other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. Our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. And is there anything you'd like to plug this week, Kevin? Not this week, no. Okay, we'll see you guys next week.
I had a point to that, and now it's gone. And so I'm singing a little song to see if it comes back. I think um, Jeremy got the point. 